Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney at Play podcast. Well, we have entered into a new portal of Disney magic, and we want to invite you to learn all about it. Join me, my daughter, Jenica, and my son-in-law, Jason, as we share with you our first impressions of experiencing Tron Light Cycle Run for the first time here at the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World. We'll look at the queue, the ride, and the challenges of embracing this new high-octane thrill ride that goes up to 60 miles an hour. I'll also discuss how this attraction compares to its sister portal in Shanghai Disneyland and how the whole of this attraction fills a major need here in Tomorrowland. Whether or not you are a Tron fan or you've seen the movies, um, you'll, you'll be wanting to to know all about this ride. Join us as we take on one of the most comprehensive reviews available on Tron Light Cycle Run at Walt Disney World. By the way, this podcast, as well as others, are brought to you by Performance Journeys, which celebrates its 20th year as a training and development group, bringing best in business ideas through keynotes, workshops, seminars, and amazing benchmarking programs to organizations in the public-private nonprofit sectors. If you are seeking to improve your customer delivery, to re-engage the morale of your workforce, or to improve the leadership of your organization, we offer not only great solutions tried and tested from our time working intimately to raise excellence in organizations big and small. At Performance Journeys, it's not as much about the journey as it is about the performance. By the way, you may want to check out DisneyAtPlay.com and subscribe while you are there because, well, we've got a lot of photos, we've got video, we've got a lot to cover around this thing called Tron. Now, what do you know about Tron? In 1982, Disney made filmmaking history with Tron. It was the first production of its kind to mix live action with computer-aided uh, or computer-generated visuals and backlit animation. This iconic film went on to inspire video games. Oh yeah, the video games, they were amazing comic books and an animated series and then the 2010 sequel, Tron Legacy, as well as this new Disney theme park attraction. By the way, Tron is also pivotal to the experience of Pixar eventually being created because it was John Lasseter who was working as an animator who was fascinated by how computers were used in creating this film back in 1982. He would take that interest and enthusiasm and eventually go to build out uh, Pixar. So this is a pivotal film. It didn't do great in the box office, but it has a certain look, a feel, and I definitely would recommend checking it out so you can appreciate it. At least Tron Legacy. Tron, the original film, struggled with its own... Um, plot line and story arc, but it was a graphic masterpiece for 1982. It was pretty amazing. Tron Legacy does so much better kind of taking the story further. So check out either of those. At any rate, the story here in this attraction takes place after events of the second film, Tron Legacy, 
occur. Here, the son of Kevin Flynn, Sam, and Quora, the isomorphic algorithm Sam rescues in the film. I know, you have to see the film to understand what that all means. Well, at any rate, they're now back in the real world, and they're creating portals or permanent gateways to promote and support more contact between programs and users, otherwise known as, well, us humans. In this experience, you are a member of a blue team, a 14-passenger train that is in competition with the enemy or the orange team. You must race past uh, the energy gates to be the winner. Let's uh, divide, uh, let me just overview this, and then we're going to actually go out to do a review with my um, my daughter and son-in-law, Jason. Um, first of all, let's talk about the arrival, the signature architectural component of this is this this amazing canopy which has this uh this cloud-like circular design um that um kind of kind of looks billowy during the day it kind of looks web-like during the day at night it comes alive with over 1000 light fixtures inside um the design of this attraction the, the canopy itself, actually, if you take a close look in the photos we have show of this, you actually see a very um, um, electronic style design, um, transmitter style design on the canopy itself in the daylight. So it's very, it's very interesting to look at. As you approach, there is music that is playing. It's a newly di- arranged Daft Punk sound, which was key and signature to the, to the films. And it's been kind of rearranged to line with this Tomorrowland um, here at Walt Disney World. The, speaking of Walt Disney World, it's railroad. Uh, the infamous railroad is now back up and running. We've had a previous podcast on it that takes you around the park and through a tunnel that comes by um, or kind of intersects this entry arrival area of Tron. Um Actually, the entire attraction had to be built up about 10 feet in order to accommodate the elevation of the train. The train had to stay at the same elevation. So to make everything else work, it all had to be built up about 10 feet up. Um, There are some elements that are kind of new. There's a new refreshment kiosk that is going to be part of it. It hasn't even completely opened yet. There is, importantly, a pathway that meanders from a storybook circus over to Tomorrowland and back again. That was, of course, in there originally. It's been redesigned and reshaped into this. So you have this, you have when you arrive, this kind of set of of pathways um, that kind of, um, some are uh, upper level and lower levels and they're all kind of bisecting each other. It's a very cool kind of look to this. The gardens, so as you go up these upper pathways, you look down into the gardens, and the gardens, too, have a sort of canopy-style design to them. And uh, they very much are reminiscent of the Shanghai um, Disney Park, which we're going to talk about a little later. And, uh, of course, just watching these coaster trains passing by because there is the initial portion of the attraction and by the way we are going to offer a few spoilers here but they're they're nothing that's going to rock your world so don't worry about it but at any rate um the coaster trains coming through are just mesmerizing and there are benches nearby you may just want to uh take a sit 
and uh, it's there. You'll, if you have questions as you approach it, you're going to go by the old Tomorrowland um, Power and Light Company. We'll talk um, about that a little later. There's a greeter station at the very entrance, and then you head down a set of pathways that leads you to the actual queue. Now, this would be a very hot portion of the park during, although the, the canopy does provide a lot of shade. Note that, but um, but I think most of the queue is going to be indoors in the same way that when you approach the Guardians of Light building, i.e. the old Universe of Energy building, most of the queuing is not happening outside. It really is happening um, inside the attraction. Now, admittedly, the universe of or the the old universe of energy building is practically being used up entirely as the queue and as the departure for the attraction. So there's a lot of queuing within that space. There is not as much indoor queue, but notwithstanding, I don't know that the lines are going to be are be going down these walkways or or not because they're going to be able to. Again, let's just talk about the virtual versus lightning link they're going to offer a virtual queue at the beginning there's not going to be any of the pandora world of avatar 340 minute queues that head out toward um the lion king show in africa that's just not going to happen in this attraction it's going to be a virtual queue you're going to need to get in at 7 a.m or you're going to need to get in at probably 1 p.m uh for the secondary um offering and um and people, a lot of people don't like that, but if you learn to time it right, if you have your Apple Watch and you get it down to really the correct second before seven o'clock, you can generally have some pretty good experience. You can purchase additional lightning lanes. It should be noted that this over uh, President's Day weekend, uh, lightning lane costs have gone up as high as $29. So that's kind of up there, and it's it's a pretty expensive offering, but it is a way to guarantee it, and if this is something you've always wanted to do, and you are a Coaster fan, then you will definitely want to do it. It is definitely worth it. Ideally, um, if you are a Coaster fan, you may want to do both, the virtual and then the lightning lane. If that's the case, you're going to have to go with whatever has been given to you as a virtual lane. I would get that virtual lane and then I would quickly get the lightning lane, but determine if your virtual lane is during the, or virtual return time is during the day, then I would get a lightning lane at night. To see it in the day and to see it later on at night is a very cool experience. They are two different experiences as those trains emerge out of the show building. So definitely consider for this. At any rate, as you have gone through these pathways, you come to an arch um, where you see the Enterprise. Enterprise Car Rental R is the official car rental, or was the official car rental of Walt Disney World, but it is also the sponsor of this attraction. It's actually sponsored by Chevrolet, interestingly enough. Well, again, we'll come back to that later in, in the conversation on Shanghai. When you get toward this archway entrance, you're going to come by two test uh, vehicles, two cycles. And for a lot of people, the big conversation here is whether or not you fit on this. I show an image of my son-in-law and daughter. Um, Jason is, 
I don't even think Jason knows his height because it's so up there. But um, he is really tall. Jenica um, uh, is much shorter. I'm a big guy. We all fit on the light cycles. And I really thought Jason would have the most struggle because of the length of his calves. But notwithstanding, you can test that in this um, entry area. And what, they, what you're going to do is you're going to mount the bike, you're going to lean over, and then you're going to pull down on the handlebars. Pulling down the handlebars then pulls down on the back um, portion of the, the, um, the, uh, the back um, safety portion as well as the safety clips on, the, on your legs. And there's a little piece of tape on the um, on the bike, and if you can get the if you can push down the bars to that tape, then you're set to go. You're going to have success in there. Otherwise, there will be another vehicle. I've been talking about this for several years. There's one in the back. In fact, you can even see a picture of me on uh, on here from Shanghai of me on that one. Um, because the first time I came, I, I didn't fit. I was at a much higher weight. I, you know, I kind of go into a roller coaster. And um, the second time I came to Shanghai, I did fit. And I rode it many times in the standard format. Your experience is going to vary. Honestly, if you end up being in the back, um, in the back one, which is going to sit like you are seating in the back of the train at Big Thunder Mountain. It's that kind of seating. It may just simply be more comfortable. For some, it's just a little and um, a little uncomfortable just leaning over onto onto this. So it you have to you have to you know make your determination what works the best for you. You're going to then. Um, uh, move from the outdoor portion. There's a little outdoor portion queue, and you're going to go past what's called the Shiva laser digitizing cannon. This laser is named Shiva after the real life Shiva laser located in Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory, which would not be interesting at all, except that that was the laboratory that was used for the filming of the original Tron movie. From there, you enter into um, a couple of hallways where you see some digital effects on the walls and then you enter a room where you are prepared to be scanned and it's basically a glass wall that you are facing some introductory um, uh, comments are made and then that glass opens up and it reveals to you the um, the uh, launch area where you will be just a few minutes later and it's it's a stunning effect when it when the glass opens up and you can see this and they try to time it to the moment where the where these uh, um, trains take off. It's it's very cool. Um, from there, you think you're going right into the platform, which is kind of a like Guardians of the Galaxy. It's kind of a or Big Thunder, where it's, you're kind of going down a. Um, uh, a ramp into it but in truth you actually have several more rooms before you are through one of them is um, the hall of opponents which gives you some glimpse of other players on the orange and blue teams and what they're like um, 
And then you are entered into the locker room. Now, this was surprising to me because the lockers are outside at Shanghai. Here they are inside. And it's brilliantly done because the problem in Shanghai is that you put your stuff in your locker and then you start to get into the queue and go through all that motion. Well, here you've gone through 85% of the queue, 90% of the queue, and now you're putting your stuff in your locker, which means that when you take it out, you've only spent maybe 15 minutes using a locker instead of an hour, hour and a half using that locker. And there were never enough lockers in Shanghai. Here, there's a big bank of lockers. You put your stuff in the locker and you put it toward the back because when you come out, you're going to go out the other side and you're going to pick up that locker. Um, you're going to open that locker from the other side and pull it out from there. Very clever how it's done. Remember your number. It is easy to forget where you because you're so distracted by all the lights and sounds and effects and the the ambiance and everything don't forget um where your what your locker number is so keep that in mind as you go through now um what you want to do at this point is you're heading into what is a dual boarding area similar to guardians of the galaxy or um, big thunder mountain railroad um here you're going to be put into pairs and but um, actually each pair is going to be in a separate gate and you're going to see in the I show a good picture of this it shows a loading procedure because what's going to happen is the person on the left is actually going to board the first um, cycle and the person on the right is actually going to go behind the two cycles come around and then board the cycle on the right. And so if if you, the person you want to ride with is behind you in the queue, something's not right because you actually need to be side by side as those boarding gates open to be able to be on the on the same cycles, paired in the same cycles going forward. As I mentioned, the restraint system includes this back support which actually also carries each rider's identity disc. And the only way to s s explain this is you have to see Tron. There is a disc on the back of every user and and it looks kind of like a Frisbee, but it base, and it's, it's kind of thrown like a Frisbee because it can also be used as a weapon. But that is part of the theme of, of being loaded into this um, ride vehicle. The ride is based on the Tron light cycles and you board those as you would a motorcycle. The Tron light cycles are a signature part of the Tron movie. That is a big key um, aspect of both films. And you're actually boarding into teams of 14. In other words, um, seven rows of, of two trains apiece. Um, and the theory is, is that they found that working as a team of 14 is more powerful than when racing solo. So in coming competition with the orange team, which is basically a solo cycle, you're going to succeed better as a result. Each light cycle has individual lights and speakers that add music and audio cues. There is a glove box. It, it's kind of, it, it looks like it's part of the thing, but just look right in the middle between um, kind of right in front of you and there is a place for putting your phones and glasses and storing them they're going to be safe in there you don't go under upside down you do go at angles 
but you don't go upside down this attraction. It's going to be just fine there. Um, and then those seated in the front, I got to tell you, they're, they're going to feel like they're truly out ahead of the experience. But I got to tell you, those in the back also see the effects of light and motion on the train. And it's pretty cool as well. So don't discount wherever you're seated. They're all really good, good places to be. With that, you head on the ride experience. By the way, we have a video that shows the arrival, the queuing, and the loading experience. So check that video out on Disney at Play. That'll give you the whole of it. Then you get on the ride experience. Again, you're racing against the bad guys or the orange team. There's sort of a launch system that they use there. So you're going to go from zero to close to 60. It's newer technology than Rock and Roller Coaster. In fact, it actually uses magnets to push it through the system. Now, that's interesting because there's one other ride attraction that uses magnets to push it through the system, and that's the People Mover in Tomorrowland. So it's kind of curious that the same technology, in essence, uh, the same conceptual technology is used here, but it's pushing you so much faster. Um the um you go through a portion that is outside and then you go through a portion that's inside the outside is obvious because you see it in the videos the show box hosts the inside and inside you're going through eight what's called eight energy gates i have a picture of what that looks like they're kind of just these frames and and you'll hear the audio say um gate one gate two I'm struggling to understand the difference between what happens in one gate and what happens in another gate because it goes so quickly. The graphics move so fast that it's really hard to say, okay, this is what's the difference between gate two and gate six. It's just really hard. Know that this attraction, um, this attraction goes from, it takes about four minutes from the sink chamber to completion. It is a very quick uh, coaster experience. There's only about 3,000 feet of track, but the sensation is so unique because you are in a motorcycle position. Now, my daughter, Jenica, talks about that in, in comparison to, um, um, to the cycle ride at Universal with um, Harry Potter. So she's going to talk about that. I, they were in the front seat uh, fortunately, I was right behind them with another cast member who heard the idea about going hands-free, and that offers you a whole nother feeling that you just can't begin to describe. At any rate, um, let um, let me just cover. Uh, well, I think this is a good point to actually um, transition to our discussion of the ride experience, and so let's head over to our time with Jason and Jenica at the Magic Kingdom. So I am blessed to have the opportunity to be here with my daughter, Jenica, and her husband, Jason. Jason's made it possible for us to do the cast member previews of Tron. And uh, so we've had an opportunity to spend the morning over at Tron, and we're here to share. To, just let's start off with, uh, with both of you. What were your expectations of what this would be? And as you kind of arrived here, what, what, what went through your mind during that, that period? I just felt immediately overwhelmed by how large it was. Um, 
I was also instantly tired looking at it. Um, I uh, I thought it looked really cool. Obviously, it looks cooler during the nighttime. Um, we have seen it what it looks like in the nighttime, but uh, unfortunately for these previews, it was just daytime. Um, I think it looked pretty cool. Um, I, I still kind of think, I don't know, I kind of feel like it just doesn't quite live up to it as much when it's the daytime versus that, nighttime. Let me ask you, yeah, have you both seen Tron Legacy? Yes, in yes. fact, I've seen... I grew up on the original Tron, and then when Tron Legacy came out, I watched it probably ten times over. Um, you gave me a Tron um, light cycle Lego. Lego. That was so cool. I have that on my shelf. Mm-hmm. And so for me, coming here and seeing like how it looks, because it really brings out more of the Tron Legacy. Like it still has like little bits of like the original Tron, but more is in depth of the Tron legacy theming like the the colorations the lights and everything even like the structure of the vehicles they're very much more towards legacy they lean more and i loved it when i first came in i i saw all the little things little hidden stuff around there and especially the main machine that would put you into the tron world to see it part of the main queue and everything for me it just is very it brought a lot of nostalgic coming out and seeing like all little bits of tron they put in through the queue and everything and from a distance, it is pretty, <laughs> um, it's a lot to walk into, but it's huge and magnificent. So for me, it's, it brings out a lot of that, that love and the little hidden stuff. Too. It almost seems to me that the coasters come out as often as logs come down Splash Mountain. It, 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 it really, you're not having to sit there long before one comes out. And, and there, is a, there is an awesomeness to that moment when they are cranking right through and right around you and out. It's um, it's it's a pretty. Uh, I do agree with you, Jenica. It's the facility, the whole structure, is larger than life as you get through it. Now, any surprise, any highlights from the queue experience, which was largely for us indoors. Any any highlights, anything that stuck out for you? I wish, like, I saw there was one, only one point where they had an actual disc behind a wall, but there wasn't much around. I was hoping to like they would do more of like. Tron prop, prop elements. I, I was looking I for that. more, like, especially like, if you go to like the Star Wars queue, they're everywhere. The props are everywhere from all the scenes and movies. But here it's just the one discs they had and then posters. Like, it wasn't it did like. It feel kind of empty. It was very empty. And I wish well, I, I wouldn't say empty, but I would say definitely it's that minimalist look. Yes. You know, that's just, it's a very one clean. One says minimalist, another says empty. <laughs> <laughs> But also, if there were, like, more elements, like, for kids to play with, like, you could, like, do a little race or do a little, like, there could, there's so much they could have had more of an interactive queue rather than just a standalone queue. There is an introductory moment. A small one. Um, and, um, but it then presents you the actual... Uh, launch platform well I was kind of expecting because in in the line you were giving me kind of the lore behind it the ride and I was kind of expecting to get that whole talk kind of like your flight of passage yeah what's the story here nothing happened I'm just kind of looking around at these posters this woman posing with light cycles and I'm like so we're playing a game is that what we're doing Okay, we're not saving the world, I guess. Not this time. 
Yeah, no, we. Yeah, she please. does bring up a good point. Like, it, there would have been nice if they had a little introduction. Like, so this technology allows you to be like something similar to like Especially Pandora. Especially for those who are unfamiliar with Tron, who are like, what? What are we doing? It, well, what what they did is they opted after you left that that first reveal room. They opted. You went into a long hallway where there was video and explanation, but the video and explanation was about about where to put your locker stuff and how to mount the bike. Yeah. And it wasn't really about the story. So it seemed, and, unless maybe I missed a part of that portion of the video, I didn't, you're right. I think that was a little bit of an element missing. We got into the lockers and then we went into the loading area. And, um, Which is beautiful and gorgeous and very, it brings you more in and it's a bit more, um, draws you more to see to see the cycles next to you and loading up and sending them off. It is really nice and very open too. We talked a little bit. There's there's a moment where you're in a room. I mean, should I spoil it? Is that fine? yeah? No, we. we I've, I, I I think I've already mentioned on this podcast, so we're gonna have some spoilers okay. here. So uh, you you're in this room that has this glass, and it's revealed that it's see through glass, and you can see on the other side the light cycles. And there's this moment of like, oh, we're a lot closer to the ride than we thought we were. We're gonna we're gonna get on right now. Yeah, we're, this these is, doors are gonna open. We're gonna go down. Yeah, to we're the gonna go platform. down. So then the doors open, and then we just walk right around the <laughs> vehicles. That is so true. That that surprised me because it was a very different layout than the Shanghai one in that regard. It kind of reminded me of actually Space Mountain when you're like walking, you see part of the ride go past you, like that element of seeing part of the ride. But it was oh, you feel like you're close to it. You're close to it. And I think that's what probably they were trying to shoot for is like you get to see what you eventually will a get sneak on. Peek. A sneak kind of thing of what of what's to come. I I agree with you on that. So um so. We get on the bikes, and um, and we had had an opportunity outside to test the bikes. Even did a little photo of it, um, which was kind of cool. I thought what was brilliant is that they had taken the cast members had taken a piece of tape, and their instruction to you was basically you need to be able to pull down on the bars, which then pulls down on the back pad and the the leg pads. Um, you need to pull it down to this point on the tape um, in order to ride. And so it made it a very easy way to see how far. And it's not like, it's not really so much as um, you can or you can't. It's more like how much pressure are you willing to put onto your back or leg to get to that place. So for me, I did feel like my right leg was a little on the cramp side when I finally got on it. But it did clear when I tested it, and then I, of course, cleared. Uh, 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 what, what were your thoughts about all of that? Um, I was a little nervous about getting on because there had been a lot of rumors about people not being able to get on. I thought it was fine. Was it the most comfortable thing? I mean, I fit onto it fairly well. I, I didn't find it very comfortable, but, you know, I was able to tolerate it. If I can tolerate, a, what is it, Manta, I think at SeaWorld, where you're on your yeah. stomach, you know, you could probably tolerate this. It's a similar kind of feeling. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I thought the practice, I think, was good. Um, I kind of wish that the practice cycle was maybe a little more, like, closer to Space Mountain. A little at the beginning. And more of a, a discreet place. 
Yeah, no, it's still a little close. I feel like if that line is really filled up, you have to wait a while before you finally figure out whether you can fit onto it or well, not. Well, I would say if that were the case, they'll move that ve- those vehicles further yeah, back. I so, yeah. But I think because they'll be opening with the virtual queue, there won't be a lot of exterior standing. There was a portion that switched back under a canopy outside, but most of the queuing is really, I think, going to be indoors for those... Again, I don't know what it looked like for those who were who will be doing Lightning Lane. What that experience will be like, but but um, yeah, it, like being a tall gentleman like myself, because being over six foot, you always were like if you're going. Fit, you're not over six foot. You're over six foot six. Six foot eight. Uh, but <laughs> okay, somewhere between six foot, more like six foot. Keep going. But. Being a tall gentleman like myself, when I go on rides where I know there's like either overhangs or something, I always worry whether I'm going to fit or be too tall because I've had that issue before in previous coasters. So it was nice to know like I could adjust and see if I could squeeze myself into the ride vehicle itself. And getting on once we actually got onto the cycles themselves, it was easy. It was a nice smooth transition into it. However, getting off the vehicle, that was another story entirely because... The back, the back, the back end is really what caught me because, like, I pulled up and everything, and then I went to swing my leg out, and it caught that. And for some people that don't have a lot of mobility, probably going to run into that issue a lot, where they're going to be smacking that thing a whole lot. Now, if it went down all the way, they could probably could avoid all that. But the fact that it's there as a standing point, you, you kind of forget that it's back there as you as you dismount. The Especially thing. after a surreal monster like it is. Now, the two of you were on the front, the very front of the ride. So, tell us, tell us, how was the ride? I very much enjoyed it because, for me, it's like you're actually on this vehicle that is very much like Tron. You're actually about to take off into the, the realm that they have set up. What I love about it is that they first take you outside. They give you a breath of fresh air, a feel for the coast, and then you take it indoors to then make you feel like you're part of the the the, the inner complexities that Tron and the grid is. Um, I really enjoyed the beginning of the ride, too, when you go outside and you get slingshotted. <clears throat> the second half of the ride, I didn't enjoy quite as much. Um, it was very dark, and then you had a lot of bright lights and it was very loud sensory wise i had a really difficult time with it um and then because of the way that you're sitting on the cycle i mean it's very easy to get a headache (laughs) afterwards so i didn't quite enjoy that part of the ride um i thought it was a little overwhelming um in terms of like comparison guardians of the galaxy i found that more tolerable just because i wasn't sitting on my stomach face forward the lights you know it was a much more comfortable ride vehicle yeah like if they had maybe a padding on your chest that you could like insert so you're not just having to hold yourself at a forward what would you say 75 degree angle like it's a bit strenuous at a time and someone has back issues or anything like that and still want to enjoy it they might have that issue to where at the end they're straining their back because there's such an awkward angle like that is one downfall about the vehicle itself is that it's not comfortable it's rideable but not comfortable yeah i could see your point and for those who want something else you might want to consider that back um vehicle which is more akin to 
being on a ride vehicle at Big Thunder Mountain. It's it's just kind of a, a, a seated bench that you pull with a pull down um, bar to the to the experience. I was right behind you with another guest, and the guest had heard that you should try taking your hands off as if you are flying like Superman through it. So she and I were kind of trying that through, and I got to tell you, I I got back on the handles before she did. I ducked out because it was it was really sensory as that as that bike was going through. I love the I love the variation of the outside component and the inside component. The inside component has eight different gates that you go through, and they tell you gate one, gate two, gate three. By the way, Eugenica, I was going to say each of the bikes has digital audio mounted to it, so that may add to that that additional kind of overload on the yeah. on the audio sensory. But it is but it is definitely a very um, intense sensory experience both visually and audio wise you you see um team orange um uh wrecking out or you know um which makes you the winner um and it's hard for me to understand what is the difference from gate to gate to gate to gate it all just seemed like a a different set of light effects it didn't seem like like i felt like there was a linear story you know, you start here and you end there. Other than the ending, where the where the other or where the orange bike wipes out. Like I think it'd be better if, like, on the bikes themselves. And I don't know if this was an original design, but the handlebars. If there's maybe a button you push to help improve your team's score or something like that as you went through each section. Like no, because you're on the same team. Well, yeah, but originally they were thinking about a red and blue team going against each other. Like orange and blue. Orange and blue. Um, but. I don't know what happened with that. That would have been an interesting. That, that would have been an interesting diagram, like like the old um, dueling dragons at Universal. Well, and speaking of Universal, I feel like if you want that bike experience, in my opinion, I enjoyed Hogwart. I mean, Hagrid's ride um, more. Um, I just it still gave you the feeling like you're riding a bike, but it was more comfortable and it's not as overwhelming. And there was more to look at because there's animatronics. Just to me, and if you want a bike experience, if you want more of a space experience or a flying experience, I felt like Guardians did that a lot better in terms of like how smooth it is. And I found myself lifting my arms out and flying and doing that on guardians and i didn't quite feel that same way um with Tron. you both you both really like guardians yeah. oh yeah yeah guardians was smooth and it was also more enjoyable especially like me like i have motion sickness so like me doing these coasters i really it depending how how easy it is on me it depends how much i can do it on tron well i do love it i probably would need an hour break before i can even go back and do it again because i have I get so much of a headache with my motion sickness. The for you is that line is going to be at least an hour. So if you wanted to do it again. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, uh, I appreciate both of you sharing your impressions and experiences. Again, I'm just going to ask finally, um, if you had only one choice tomorrow, would it be Guardians or would it be Tron? Guardians. Guardians. I would have the Tron, honestly, just because, again, for the nostalgic and just... I love, I love it. If, if if it didn't, if it wasn't like Tron, it was just a light motorcycle ride. Would you? 
Then be guardians. Then be guardians. Okay, thank you. I rest my case. You know, the best part of being at Disney is being with your family. And I, our lives are filled with opportunities to do this growing up, as our, our kids growing up. But it's fun to do this as adults and to try this new thing. So thank you, Jenica. Thank you, Jason. Especially you, Jason, for making it happen for us today. So thank you very much. It was my pleasure. Thank you. So let me take you through kind of the post-show and then also talk about how this attraction compares to Shanghai. Um, when you get off the attraction, you'll notice to the side that there is a parent switch area. So if you want to switch because you've got a small child that doesn't meet the height requirement, you could do that there. There's also a support animal area um, to, to take your pet and keep them there. I was noticing how they clean those um, between um, different um, usage. So very, um, all available there. You kind of notice that the lighting changes back as you move through the locker retrieval area. It's a little bit more fluorescent as opposed to the kind of neon blue you've been in up to this point. The first thing you're going to do is go to the locker retrieval area. Again, hopefully you remembered where your locker is. That's going to be so critical to this. Um, and then you're going to head out down a long hallway and um, and ultimately what will become the gift shop. It was not open at the time, it, um, but there is a gift shop there. And then you emerge outside and there are more trains passing you by. You're at a different pathway that kind of leads around this. There's also a restroom um, in that area. So that's very convenient if you kind of kind of can see through the f and over the fence you'll see the the walt um, disney world train and you can see the train station beyond at storybook circus it's uh it's very cool um uh, the former power and light building is possibly being renamed to tomorrowland launch depot according to somebody on the blogosphere. Um, I'm not sure how that event is experienced as a retailer experience is going to differ from the gift shop at the exit. If it's gonna have both the same. I will tell you cool merchandise was to be found in Shanghai. And my expectation is you will find the same too. Um, my favorite piece is one actually from Jason, a little Lego, um, uh, Tron cycle of orange versus blue. It's very cool. Um, and there are a lot of cool t-shirts and everything that uh, is going to be quite exciting. But none of those is open as well as the kiosk. Um, what is cool is to see how this is kind of merging into the larger Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland is really becoming, uh, well, I mean, Tomorrowland always had some of the most rides and attractions short of maybe Fantasyland, still is short of Fantasyland, uh, but this Tron is pivotal to the whole feel of this Tomorrowland and the sense that you are, and, the, and while they've kind of whitewashed the Tomorrowland to kind of prepare it to kind of uh, mend, because the old, uh, the old Tomorrowland of 94, I think that was when it opened, um, 
reopened and was was done um, in the style that it was done earlier with the little robots and so forth around. It, it just had a different feel and look to what the Tron attraction was going to bring. And so they kind of whitewashed everything, kind of back to its original 1971 look. Tron, uh, but, uh, what I could say is at night, it's just stunning and beautiful and gorgeous and really makes you feel like a whole land come together. That is the, the part that works. As for um, comparing to Shanghai Disneyland, um, Shanghai Disneyland's Tron, I mean, they were able to create the Tomorrowland at the same time they created Tron. They all opened at the same time um, and it feels more unified. Um, the canopy in Shanghai seems to have a bigger color range. I'll sh you can see a picture where you see blues and purples, which I haven't seen yet on this canopy. I'm just thrilled that it has color, but I haven't seen other colors other than orange and blue as part of the whole team thing. The signage at Shanghai is much bigger. It's suspended. Um, I'm wondering even if the digitizing cannon seems a little larger at Shanghai. The lockers I mentioned earlier are outside. Um, and that honestly did create a more chaotic entrance. People were kind of milling around and waiting for others who were putting their stuff in a locker and it just was not uniform. It's, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this works inside um, the attraction. Um, that was not a good deal at Shanghai and they never had enough lockers. I'm thinking this is going to be a much better experience in terms of that. If there was one thing I would say that was really big in difference about the queue is that here there is our videos instructing you, giving you a lot of instruction about lockers, giving you a lot of instruction about how to mount the bikes and how to ride them. And all that's really helpful. But in Shanghai, there was this Asian woman who seemed um, a little bit like she was out of Tron, she, that she was kind of like Quora, the isomorphic algorithm. She just seemed very kind of almost mysterious. And I felt like she was leading you to better understand the story and plot line. I really didn't feel like much in the queue was giving you story. It was just, oh, we're going to ride these, these bikes. It doesn't matter what the story is. Um, I feel like they could build up the story more. And um, the ride experience, though, is seemingly just the same. I'm having difficulty seeing any difference in that. If there's another big difference, it would be that Chevrolet is the sponsor, which is interesting because Chevrolet is the sponsor of Test Track over at Epcot. And I said when that Test Track adventure reopened, boy, it sure looks a lot like what it sure looks a lot like Tron at Shanghai, so I've, I'm humored that um, that both of those were sponsored by by Chevrolet. There in Shanghai, they also have a post show exhibit. You know how you exit text, test track and you have all these vehicles, uh, model vehicles, and games you can play. Well, they have a very cool post show that is in entirely theme to Tron. It's a, it's a shame they don't have something similar to that here. Maybe we'll see a little bit of that in the, um, 
um, Tomorrowland uh, Power and Light Building when it reopens. Not sure, but it is a very um, it's a it, it's a big add-on to the Shanghai Disney experience. But other than that, it's um you are in for a great experience, and this is this is a huge attraction. It is as mo- monumental as Space Mountain was in the early 70s. It is as monumental as Splash Mountain was in the late 80s or early 90s. This is this is a pivotal keystone attraction to the park and you're not going to want to miss it. If you enjoy coasters at all, you definitely will want to check out Tron Light Cycle Run. Well, my thanks to Jason Jenica for making this uh, visit possible. I've got an extra opportunity to see it during uh, annual pass holders and we'll share any more insights that we see. We have a lot more to talk about construction going on at Epcot and Magic Kingdom and other things. Want to come back to that at some point. In the meantime, check out Disney at play.com. Make sure you check out the Wayfinder Society, which is your portal to actually unlocking Disney interactive magic that we provide that gives you new insights to parks, attractions, and best in business ideas from Disney. For those who want to improve their business, you want to check out. In fact, we have some free samples that allow you to kind of see what it is all about. So go over to the Wayfinder Society. You'll find a link on the show notes and you'll find a link on the actual page. So go check it out. In the meantime, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you being part of this podcast and in the words of Sinbad's Storybook Voyage. Always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.